Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Happy New Year. This is Daniel DeBeer, Opinions Editor for Print. And I'm Mia George, Lead Opinions Editor, and we're both for The Standard. Um, welcome back. This week we will be debriefing solely what we think is probably the most pressing and important current event of the past few weeks, and it's the escalating tensions of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. So we're going to begin by looking at the background, um, a little bit of history, which Daniel will give some recent events leading up to the last few weeks and the current tensions and the possibility of a Cold War in the future. So the history between these two bordering countries is complex but tense nonetheless. Their past dates back to the 9th century when the Rus declared Kyiv as their capital, a fact frequently brought up by Russia's president Vladimir Putin. Up until 1991, Ukraine was a part of the Soviet Union. It served a key role for the Soviets with its large agricultural industry and important ports on the Black Sea. Once they declared independence in August of that year, the dynamic shifted entirely. Russia is now trying to block Ukraine from joining NATO, an alliance originally created to protect against Soviet aggression in 1949. The treaty states that if one nation is invaded or attacked by a third party, all nations in NATO will collectively mobilize in its defense. Though there have been no reported plans of allowing Ukraine to join the alliance, the possibility poses a threat to Russia, which is continually putting Ukraine under more and more military pressure. In 2014, Russia invaded and subsequently annexed the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine. This action generated more pressure between the two countries and caused the Western powers to bat an eye at the ensuing conflict. Before we get into the tensions, though, let's look at a longer history of recent events. So an article published by the CTV News recorded a few key moments from the year of 2013 um, to now, but I thought it would be more significant to kind of look at from the year 2019. So I've selected a few that I think are um, important to look at. So in July of 2019, former actor and comedian actually, and current Ukrainian president Volodymyr Zelensky was elected as president in a landslide vote. So this kind of completely introduced a new rhetoric uh, and it entered the nation in a new era of Ukraine-Russia relations. Uh, Fast forward uh, to September 2019, whistleblowers alleged that the former U.S. President Donald Trump coerced uh, Zelensky uh, into investigating political uh, information for his rival Joe Biden. And so I thought I wanted to mention this just because I think it's a bit of a turning point in setting the stage for what I would call almost what was a manipulative relationship under Trump uh, between the West and the Ukraine. It was like, I do this for you, but you got to do this for me, um, which I get. But it was weird that Trump had used Ukraine for his own political motives because there was he I think personally that he could have done it without using them but he used that as leverage. And then fast forward further to November 2021, where satellite imagery um, showed a buildup of Russian troops on the border with Ukraine, already escalating fears of a potential invasion. And Zelensky also claimed that Russia had mobilized around 100,000 soldiers in the border area, along with tanks and more equipment. So on December 7th, the US president now, Joe Biden, uh, spoke to his Russian counterpart, Putin, over a video call. And Putin wanted basically for NATO to guarantee that the military alliance will not expand to include the Ukraine, which obviously the NATO and Biden's allies 
was said that it was a no-starter. But in fact, Biden threatened to impose harsher economic sanctions, which we'll see becomes a trend in response later on if Russia were to invade Ukraine. And then in January um, 2022, this year, another call with Zelensky ha um, happened and Biden promised that the U.S. and allies will act decisively if Russia continues to invade. January 22nd, which is quite literally two days from when this will be posted, Canada offered a, a $120 um, million loan to Ukraine aimed at bolstering the nation's economy. So we kind of see how this um, array of events um, kind of shows how the West is sort of working with Ukraine and building this almost very odd and unpredictable relationship while as, um, tensions w between the Ukraine and the Russia are escalating. So right now, a Russian invasion looks like a possibility. During a Wednesday press conference, Biden had warned Russia that they would pay a stiff price if they were to invade. And so although the Cold War may have ended around 30 years ago, I was kind of thinking that the unresolved issue of how closely Ukraine can ally with the West is at the root of right now probably the most deepest Ukrainian-Russian tensions and right now U.S.-Russian tensions. Although Russia denies having plans to invade Ukraine, it has positioned an estimated 100,000 troops near its borders. Additionally, Russia has continually tried to block Ukraine from moving towards European institutions, along with NATO. Although Russia denounces reports of an impending invasion, Putin has threatened, quote, appropriate retaliatory military technical measures if what he calls the West's aggressive approach continues. I thought it would be interesting to kind of look at also what an invasion would like it, it would look like if it were to happen. And our, a really good article was by the G0 group or uh, written by the Eurasia group. And um, basically, to summarize, it, it would be unlikely that Putin would launch a whole invasion um, as it would extreme. It would be so costly for the country, given what we've seen as the Western response, which would be lots of sanctions and also it would be incredibly difficult for him for putin to kind of sell to the russian public to sell this invasion to the russian public because of the casualties that could result um for the russian troops especially since putin is kind of aware of how the insurgency in ukraine in urban areas could drag on for so long so it, it would increase the death toll and if russia chose to advance further into ukraine there is a possibility that it would annex the, the Donbass area, which is already held by Russian sep separatists, and they could seize like adjacent territory almost as a buffer. So there are different possibilities, but I don't think that there's going to be a whole invasion right now because Russia is aware of the cost and the consequences that would follow, um, which would be serious economic consequences. In fact, we would see the possibility of kind of like a parallel between the refugee crisis that happened when Russia annexed Crimea, which ended up in the displacement of about 1.4 million people. Now I think it's important to look at how Washington would respond and how US and the West would respond. And I think that now that we've debriefed the conflict, I can't help but think about what the Biden administration, they've already made it clear that they're not gonna send American troops to defend Ukraine as it's not a NATO alley, but it would they, they are gonna continue to impose sanctions like we've seen. So what I think is different is this time, instead of sanctioning the Russian oligarchs, um, which is someone holding power in a state, they're going to sanction Russian financial institutions and sovereign debt, which is going to include all international entities that lend Russia money. Um, so that would be more of a, of a consequence for Russia. And I think in order to properly deter Russia from further invading, all European states should be on this. I mean, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but should be on the same page as the U.S., 
as Biden has pointed out several times. But I think what I've noticed the issue is, is that since Europe is currently like 45% of its gas is imported from Russia and Moscow, it, they could cut off crucial supplies. And this hasn't been the first time that Putin has used natural gas supplies as a geopolitical leverage. And so I think it's important to consider, okay, well, we need more European countries to work together and the West to kind of work together against Russia for this to happen. But at the same time, you know, what's it worth for these countries, for these European countries to lose very crucial supplies? Um, so I don't know. What do you think? I mean, how do you think the West will respond? Personally, I think that these rising tensions are a reason for the West to um, at least intervene in some way, as it is obvious that Russia is preparing for some kind of um, invasion, as evidenced by the hundreds of thousands, hundred thousand troops they are putting along their border. I do not believe that that is a coincidence, and that um, Western leaders should definitely bat an eye. Yeah, I mean, I think these supplies is more of a temporary problem, whereas in the long, long term, it could be way more detrimental um, for Ukraine-Europe relations and more and the refugee crisis that would happen and all, all this influx of re in refugees that we would see um, to European countries. So I, I agree. I think that, you know, this should be prioritized. Um, yeah. Great. So that concludes our politics update podcast for today. And we hope to see you next week. Bye.